Listen up, family. Come on in the room. Look, this particular message, like, as I was preparing for this, I was like, I really haven't heard too many messages about attraction. You know, growing up, it's just like, if you like this, you're going to hell. If you're doing this, you're going to burn. If you're doing this, God don't love you. And maybe if we could understand why we like the things we like, how our attraction formulated, and how should the Christian have healthy, holistic kingdom attraction. So that is what I want to talk about on tonight, and I believe it's going to be spiritually nutritious. Like I told you, week after week, my desire and what I feel the Spirit is leading for me to do for this cupping season series is to provide you with an investment in your soul care. And I think we're going to do that on tonight. So I want to get straight to work. Go ahead and take your screenshot, tag us. Shout out to everybody in New Zealand who tagged me, had a little Bible study. I see y'all. Everybody had your Bibles highlighted up. I said, come on in here. So yes, thank you for all of your love, all of your subscriptions, and I pray that this message is a word that blesses your life and touches you. Share the link, tag somebody, let, let them know it is going down, well it's going up, and this message is going to be spiritually nutritious for your life. So I read this particular passage of scripture before, but I'm going to dissect it in a different direction. If you would, we're going to go to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, just two verses, verses 1 and 2. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Certain translations say strange. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, and the Hittites. They were from the nation about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not. Can I get everybody to drop that in the comment section? You must not. You must not intermarry with them because they may be. It's not what your Bible says. Because it's possible. Because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. The clause of concern and the verse that we're going to work on tonight is the halfway mark of verse 2. Do not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. And I think the question on the floor that we have to ask ourselves on tonight is what are we loving that's turning our heart? So, Father God, we pray that this will be an introspection word. Help us to have a kingdom outlook. All the prayer, all the study means nothing if you are magnified and glorified. I pray that you use me as your oracle. Anoint me, O oh God, to be the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven. And we pray that it's done. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees that prayer, would you drop in the room? Amen. Amen. You must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. 
And I stated, the question that we have to ask ourselves on tonight is what am I loving that is turning my heart? Have you ever considered that the problem could be due to what we like? Like, have you ever considered that maybe the reason I and maybe the reason you keep on ending in recovery season after recovery season is due to what we're attracted to? Y'all not talking to me. It's due to what we are attracted to. Could it be my type? And your type is the reason you keep ending up in therapy. Your type and your will and my preferences and what I'm attracted to has taken on the nature of a scouting agent. Has taken on the nature of a scouting agent and it keeps drafting and it is contributing to the collection of horror of relational memories when I kept on entertaining a bulk of counterfeits. I need to say that again. Could it be my preferences? My preferences and what I'm attracted to that has taken on the nature of a scouting agent and it is drafting and contributing to the horror collection of relational memories when I kept on entertaining a bulk of counterfeits. Because like I stated before, you may not be responsible for what you attract, but you are responsible for what you entertain. You may not be responsible for what you attract, but you are responsible for what you entertain. And I'm just understanding and learning this pattern of hell. One of the tactics and strategies of the enemy is to send us pain gift wrapped as our preference. I feel like just getting to work on tonight, I just feel it's necessary for part five of this cuffing season series to speak around this thought, around this subject for the time that we have together on tonight's fatal attraction. Fatal attraction. Fatal attraction. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody who has graced me on tonight, I am sure that you have seen a movie. I'm sure that you've seen a movie, a lifetime movie, a show that has portrayed somebody who has a fatal attraction. It, it, it is like the classic action slash horror thriller type movie when this person can't get over this person. They're intrigued and infatuated with this person. Y'all broke up, but they acting like y'all didn't break up. They're still pursuing you. They're still after you. Yes, y'all divorced, but they're still chasing you. You could have had an affair with this man or an affair with this woman, and then you try to get right. You try to understand you made a mistake, but they're not letting you go that easy. They keep calling you. They keep texting you. They keep being in your DMs and showing up everywhere you are and then sometimes you didn't even have to do nothing you almost did you almost did but you caught yourself and you're like you know what this is wrong and they're not letting you go that easy and some of these people have psychological issues like they take extreme measures they'll change your name and quit their job and move to another location move to another state move to another country because their psychotic behavior is catching up with them it's starting to put the family on notice and the law enforcement on notice it is just your average october type of movie <laughs> like after this message is over i could almost guarantee through your cable through hulu or through netflix you will find somebody who has these characteristics it's just a typical october style movie and this is what we deem as someone who has a fatal attraction but when i'm looking in our um foundational text i'm seeing something a little different 
when I'm looking in the Bible and our foundational text in 1 King, I'm not seeing it's the Moabites chasing Solomon. I'm not seeing it's the Ammonites and the Edomites and the Sidonians and the Hittites and any other ites. I'm not seeing it's those women who are chasing Solomon. <laughs> Actually, it almost appears as though Solomon is chasing them. I'm not seeing all of these ites chase after Solomon. They're not stalking him on IG. They're not stalking him on their social media accounts. They're not going down his Facebook timeline to see who he's with now and then subconsciously compare themselves with who he's talking to. Have y'all ever done that? <laughs> have y'all ever done that? Like, have you ever looked back on somebody you were with in one season and now you're looking, with, looking back to see who they're with in this season, who they're dating in this season, who they're married to in this season. And now you have formulated this mental compare and contrast chart because you want to discover what in the world does he see in her or what in the world does she see in him? And do I look better than them? Do I look better than her? Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Y'all have done that before? Isn't it amazing on how we look back on what we had in Egypt? We look back on what we had in Egypt and some of us have been lurking and monitoring things that were fatal. That was an Egypt relationship. And somebody watching this, you're like, okay, I need you to break that down. What do you mean that was an Egypt relationship? This was a bond or a connection that was formulated when you were in slavery. When you didn't know who you were, when you were lost, when you were confused, you were under Pharaoh's command, but now you're under Yahweh's love. I need to say that again. An Egypt relationship is a bond or a connection that you formulated when you were a slave, when you were lost, when you did not have a collision course encounter with the gospel, when you weren't filled with the spirit. You didn't know who you were yet, and you were under Pharaoh's command, but now you're under Yahweh's love. And now you're looking back and reminiscing on what you had in Egypt. And what's crazy is, how is it you're reminiscing over the times they were good, but you're forgetting Pharaoh's whip, though? You're forgetting the times when you had to make bricks without straw. Let's modernize, it, modernize this. You're forgetting the times when your hair was falling out. You're forgetting the time when you were getting wrinkles under your eyes and bloodshot eyes because you didn't have no peace. You forgot the time when you didn't sleep. You're forgetting all the times when you were saying, God, if you get me out of this, I'm never going to go back to this. Why is it we catch amnesia when it comes to the unhealth of the relationship? Y'all not talking to me on the night. <laughs> yeah, that, that was an Egypt relationship. And I wonder, is there anybody else besides myself who's arrived to this place and has this perspective? Thank God it didn't work. I will clap right there for myself. Thank God that it didn't work. Is anybody grateful for the times that you didn't get the position? Grateful for the doors that God did close? Grateful that that relationship didn't work out? I would like to say, per adventure, somebody watching this message, you wouldn't be pursuing God with the intensity that you are pursuing him now if that would have worked. It took for you to go through that. See, I can get a whole sanctuary and we can get a whole chat room to start shouting if I say, thank God for open doors. Oh, but we hear crickets when I say give God a praise for the stuff that didn't happen give God praise for the doors that he cut he shut give God praise for the relationship he cut give God praise that it didn't work out that right there should get somebody to drop amen and all caps in the comment section running man emoji and running woman emoji <laughs> thank God that it didn't work out I'm not saying I have it all together but I am saying now I have peace 
I'm not saying that I have it all together, but I am saying now I have joy. I'm not saying that I have it all together, but now I'm having that good sleep. I'm talking about snoring in seconds, mouth open, drooling type of sleep. Because when you're a child, you can fall asleep anywhere, in a stroller, in a car seat, at a football game, in a movie theater. And when you are a child of God, he gives his beloved sweet sleep. I may not be where I want to be, but at least I got sleep. At least I got peace. (laughs) Because one of the signs that you're growing is when your ex is no longer your type. That part, though, I'm no longer attracted to things I had in Egypt. Matter of fact, let's rename and redefine what an X is. All an X is is an example on what it looks like when God doesn't endorse a thing. Y'all better come get me, man. (laughs) I'm grateful that certain things didn't work out because for certain people, our radical stance and our peace seems unnatural. Because people who live in chaos look confused at people who live in peace. They can't understand it because all I've ever known was chaos and dysfunction. I'm noticing when I look at this text, I'm not seeing that it's the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Edomites and the Sidonians and the Hittites that are after Solomon. I'm seeing that Solomon was holding fast to them. And this biblical information causes for me to redefine what a fatal attraction truly is. A fatal attraction is not when somebody can't get over you. A fatal attraction is when God tells us to not do a thing, but we hold on to it. Yeah, a fatal attraction is when we're attracted to that which is fatal. This is so good, y'all. That is a fatal attraction. The very thing that God brought you out of, you want to go back to it. And I think the question on the floor, the quintessential question that we have to ask ourselves on tonight is, can you identify when something is fatal? (sighs) Can you identify when something is fatal? See, listen, y'all, this type of conversation This type of conversation is so needed because like I stated in the genesis of this introduction, I don't really hear too many messages that really break down why we're attracted to the things that we're attracted to. I don't really hear any messages that explain what a Christian should be attracted to. And I understand now there is a desperate need for unlearning. Please hear me. There is a desperate need for unlearning in the area of attraction. There's a desperate need for us to unlearn some things because I cannot solve a problem with the same mindset that created it. I cannot solve a problem with the same mindset that created it. So I need God to deal with what I'm attracted to. I need God to deal with what I like. I need God to deal with what I call my type. I need God to deal with my preferences because if I keep my preferences but keep on claiming the king and God hasn't touched the area of my preferences, I'll keep on feeling as though God is leading me into wildernesses and famine places. And many times it's the very thing that we like that keeps causing us to behave our way into a season (sighs) listen the beginning of unlearning is forgiveness the beginning of unlearning is forgiveness think about it 
When we have to unlearn something, we come to God and say, God, forgive me for what I have done. This is repentance. Forgive me and change my heart. Metamufu in the Hebrew. Metamorphosis is where we get the English word. I need you to change me. And for me to have a change, I have to ask for forgiveness because I don't want to go back to that. Forgive me. That is the genesis of unlearning. And some of us, we have to learn to forgive ourselves. You're so hard on you. Have you ever just felt as though something bad is going to happen because of all the bad things you've done? And it's like you're expecting for something bad to happen. We have to get to a place to where we forgive ourselves for entertaining fatal things. Forgive ourselves and then we could really forgive others. Because for some of us, forgiveness wasn't really that hard until you had to forgive somebody who betrayed you. Forgiveness wasn't really that hard until you had to forgive somebody who you helped and then they turn around and tried to hurt you. For forgiveness wasn't really that difficult until you gave somebody your heart and in return they gave you heartache. And I'm trying to get you to understand that forgiveness frees the prisoner. Forgiveness frees the prisoner and once you forgive you'll discover that the prisoner was you. This is so good y'all. I'm just trying to convince somebody, don't get even, heal. <laughs> don't get even, heal. Healing looks good on you. Becoming looks good on you. Because one of the ways that the devil is trafficking and killing us softly is by the things that we're attracted to. Because we can't identify that which is toxic. And when we can't identify something that's toxic, we'll end up looking like this. Carl, could you put this picture on the screen? will end up looking like this when we can't identify. <laughs> when we can't identify something that's toxic. Here you have this cute dog licking a rattlesnake. And I wonder how many of us have kissed snakes, but we didn't recognize it was a snake until after we got bit. And what I'm trying to address and what I'm trying to deal with on tonight is what is it in me that liked the snake in the first place? What is it in me that caused me not to be able to see that this is fatal? Listen, I'm not a herpetologist. A herpetologist is one who studies amphibians and reptiles. I'm not a herpetologist. But for me personally, I treat every single snake I see like it's poisonous. Every single one. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care if it's green. And somebody says, oh, it's a little cute grass. I sneak, I, creep, I treat every single snake like it's venomous. When I'm walking my dog on the nature trail, people looking at this little snake, I am going the other way. I am not curious. I don't want to wonder. I'm not going to pick it up. You will never see Jerry Flowers on the animal planet in some desert place talking about, oh, wow, look at here, guys. What we have is a diamondback rattlesnake. Yeah, she's a beauty. She's a beauty. Now, you got to be careful here because when you come up behind her, she strikes whopping fast. She can strike at 85 miles per hour here, so I have to be very careful. You are never going to see me do that. <laughs> you are never going to see me do that. I'm going to treat every snake as though it's venomous. And I wonder how our life would look if before we picked up things, we treated it as though it was venomous until I got confirmation. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm not picking this up. I'm not marrying this. I'm not taking this. I'm not dating them. I'm not doing this until I get some confirmation. Because right now, I am not a herpetologist. I don't know if you are a snake. I don't know if you bear fruit or if you bear poison. And until then, I'm going to treat you as accordingly. We're going to have some distance. 
<laughs> We're going to have some dis. I got to get some discernment. Some of us are so caught up on what we see. I'm trying, to give, I'm trying to convince you to add a K to it and look for things by seeking. It's not about being attracted to things based on what we see. Add a K to it and seek. I have to seek out to see if this is God's will for my life. I'm going to give you some scriptures. I hope you're ready for this because I'm going to flood you with quite a few. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11, it says, what's that word? Seek the Lord. And his strength. Seek his presence continually. Let's keep going. Lamentations. Chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who, what's that word, seeks him. Psalms 119, verse 10. With my whole heart, I, what's that word, seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Amos chapter 5, verse 4. For, the, for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. And the popular one, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added unto you. Jesus is saying, don't seek the things, seek the kingdom. Because if you seek the king and if you seek the kingdom, the things that you need for your assignment will be added unto you. And I stated it before, if you ever go to a restaurant, have you noticed that they give you bread and water first? And if you like me, you're so caught up with eating the bread and drinking the water that by the time they send you the entree, I'm so full of the bread, I don't even really want that. I'm so full of the water, I don't really want that. And maybe that's the benefit. If we seek Jesus first, if we seek out devotion first, if we seek out prayer first, by the time the enemy tries to send us pain that's gift wrapped as our preference, I don't even want it because I'm so full of the living bread. I'm so full of the living water. Seek. Seek. Listen, y'all. Discernment corrects attraction. Discernment corrects attraction. There is a difference between attraction and being attracted. So I could see a woman who's attractive. But since I have discernment, I'm not going to be attracted until I see fruit. I'm trying to help somebody. A lot of us, when you see a man walk in the room, he has pretty eyes, curly hair, he has a beard, you are immediately attracted. I'm saying, hold up, hold up. He could be attractive, but I got to seek out discernment because I should never be attracted until I first seek out discernment. I'm trying to help somebody, y'all. This, this is how we get in the place where we stop romanticizing and reflecting on things the enemy sent. See, when we romanticize and we reflect on a toxic relationship that was an emotional assassin, that is a trauma response. Not you missing them, girl. Not you missing them, bro. Listen, when you are romanticizing a relationship that almost took you out, a toxic emotional assassin that is a trauma response that is not you missing them. Because it is possible that many people, due to the intensity of a bond, we think this has to be love because it's so hard for me to let them go. It has to be love because I don't want to do life without them. It has to be love. And unfortunately, a lot of us have never known what love is. 
We have never known what love is, not from a kingdom perspective. I want you to understand maybe you're mislabeling it. You don't miss them. You're having withdrawals. Because this is how the body responds when we are no longer giving it the toxicity that it's used to. This is so good, y'all. Maybe you're not missing them. You're having withdrawals. Your body is responding to no longer having the poison. And I posted that on social media, and some girl made a comment. She was like, yeah, but how long are you going to have the withdrawals, though? And I want you to know that it depends on how long you took the poison. <laughs> if, if I've been taking the, the substance, if I've been taking the poison and putting toxins in my body for years, yeah, that withdrawal process is going to be real. I may have shakes and night sweats and everything, but it is the body's way of ridding itself from poison. And just because you're having night sweats and withdrawals, that does not mean go back. I'm trying to help somebody, y'all. So therefore, I believe if discernment corrects attraction, we have to really know what discernment is. So I'm going to try to serve you with this. I believe there are three C's, three C's of discernment that I want to share with you and try to break this down. We have clear direction, cloudy direction, and confirm direction. Say it again. The three C's of discernment, we have clear direction, cloudy direction, and confirmed direction. Okay? Clear direction is when this is clearly sin. It's clearly sin. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to fast and ask God, should I rob them? (laughs) You don't have to fast and pray and say, God, should I sleep with this wife, this man's wife? This is not something that you have to pray and fast about. This is clearly sin. And for any newcomers watching this, bear with me because towards the end, I'm going to really break down what it looks like to be a fruit inspector. Because one of the ways you can identify that this is clearly a direction I shouldn't go is by inspecting fruit. We're looking for fruit. We're a fruit inspector. It's a clear direction that this is not the Lord. The second one, cloudy direction. Cloudy direction is when you encounter an obstacle, you're at a crossroad, you're at an interstate, and you don't know what to do. I don't know if this is God's will. I don't know if this is my will. And I don't know if this is the enemy. I don't know if God sent this brother or if the enemy sent this brother or if this is just my attraction who wants this brother. I don't know if God sent this woman. I don't know if, God, if the enemy allowed me to discover this woman, or I don't know if this is just my flesh trying to find somebody because it's cuffing season. I don't know. So when it's a cloudy direction, it's God's way of calling us into intercession. God is saying, hey, I need to turn down the volume of stuff. Your life is too loud, and you can't hear me because everything in your life is so loud, but I'm not yelling. I'm trying to get your attention, but I'm not a yeller. I'm a leader, not a dragger. I'll let you live on whatever level you settle for. And I'm telling you, the day you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. I don't barge in. I knock so that you can let me in. God is saying for somebody who's facing something, you have a cloudy direction. I don't know which way to go. He's saying fast. Fast. Turn down the volume of Netflix. Turn down the volume. Some of us need to do a man fast, a woman fast. Nobody. Some of us, you are not even used to being alone. Every single time you end a relationship, you look for another one. You have this philosophy. Oh, well, on to the next. There are plenty of fish in the sea. The problem with that is there are also sharks as well. And if you get in the relational waters while bleeding, you're going to attract sharks. You're going to attract sharks. God may be saying, right now, turn this down. Turn it down. Your life is cloudy because your life is so loud. 
Turn it down. See, you might have to fast two or three days before you go into business with this person. But you might need to fast 21 days to 40 days and get some counseling when somebody asks for your hand in marriage. Depending on the direction that you're about to go is married to how intense the fasting and how intense we have to go to turn down the volume of things. Is your life so loud to where you can't hear when God speaks? Even watching this message, it could be notification after notification, pop-up after pop-up. Your life is so loud. This is why some of us, <laughs> some of us at night, you think that you have an insomnia. It's really not insomnia. It's an invitation. God is saying, get up, let's pray. You're like, man, why can't I sleep? Because all day long, you doing your thing. Right now it's quiet. Right now, ain't nothing on. Let's talk. This is uh, not insomnia. This is the Lord calling you to get up. We need to talk. We need to talk about how you feel about your father that you know you're going to see on Thanksgiving that's been bothering you all week. We need to talk about that. We need to talk about how you're sleeping in a whole other room than your spouse, and y'all haven't talked in months, but every single time y'all go to that service, even though they only have a few people in person, y'all smiling and acting like everything's okay. We need to address the fakery. The thing about God is he always addresses the elephant in the room. Every single time I pray to God and I'm complaining to God about my wife about something, God always turns around and deals with me. I have never prayed and said, God, you know, I really like when she said this. And God was like, yeah, you know, that was messed up, bro. That really was foul. I'm going to deal with her. I'm a... He always, what could you have done? Were you tender? Were you patient? Did you reflect my love? What about you? Cloudy direction. Now, confirmed direction is when God has confirmed you to do a thing. Confirmed in the Hebrew means authorization. The beauty about having confirmation is it means that you have been heavenly authorized for a thing. Now, I want to break this down because this has some details to it. For confirmed direction, the first way to know that this has been confirmed by God is it will always complement his word. It will always complement his word. There's a lady that you know, she's been on your heart. And every single time you go to work, you think you should say something. But like, God, should I say something? God, should I say something? God, should I say something? Go therefore into all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. You don't have to ask me. It is my will that you seek and save the lost. If you feel in the unction to talk to this woman, talk to her. It will always complement his word. Number two, a confirmed direction also has an unexplainable flow. Y'all ever experienced that? It's like things just lining up. It's an unexplainable flow. God, God wants us to live in the flow of our anointing, in the flow of our assignment, in the flow of our purpose, in the flow of our destiny, in the flow of, cl of clarity. It is just a flow. Obedience will have you live in this flow to where you don't even have to knock on doors. They just open for you. <laughs> just live in the flow. The resources start lining up. The help starts lining up. It is an unexplainable flow because you're going in the direction that God told you. Number three, another confirmation of this being a direction that God wants you to go in is reoccurring confirmation. How that sounds is, hey, bro, when are you going to start that podcast? Four other people ask you, hey, when are you going to start that podcast? When are you going to write that book? When are you going to start that YouTube channel? When are you going? When are you going? When are you going? When are you going? You should. Have you tried? It's just this constant this constant confirmation. Somebody watching this right now, God Ben told you to write a book. 
And I'm looking at you right now in your face like, when you going to write that book? That's confirmation. Somebody else know you need to apologize to your mama. Go ahead and call her after this message is over and say, mama, I'm sorry. I was tripping. I was on one. When you going? When you going? Have you tried? Have you? Reoccurring. <laughs> reoccurring confirmation. God's not going to let you get away with this. The thing about God, he doesn't give you new instructions until you had now obedience. No new instructions. No new instructions. When you go, when you go, reoccurring confirmation. The fourth one may seem weird, but a confirmed direction is resistance. I'm talking about it just seems like something's trying to stop you. Have y'all ever been trying to do a thing and it just seems like stuff is trying to stop you? Stuff is trying to hinder you. Matter of fact, if you go in a direction and you never experience some resistance, maybe it's because you and the devil are going the same way. But when you go in the direction of the kingdom, the devil don't like. See, you think he's going to let you leave his turf, go on the kingdom's turf, be a kingdom ambassador, be a construction worker for, be a construction worker for the kingdom, build God's empire, help other souls come to the kingdom, and he's not going to be upset. He's not going to be angry at you. It comes with resistance. But the beauty is he is a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. In Christ, we went from victim to victor. He already lost. The only way you don't win is if you don't fight because the fight has been fixed. I feel like shouting and running off this stage. The fight has been fixed. It doesn't matter how hard you get hit. It doesn't matter how many hard things come your way. It doesn't matter the storms. It doesn't matter the trial. As long as you don't let the ref of life get to 10, the judges have already given it to you because in Christ we have the victory. Confirmed direction. And I wonder, is there anybody else besides myself who's like, I got to be a man who lives in confirmation. I have to be a woman who lives in confirmation. Because confirmation is the anchor that keeps me from drifting with the waves of second guessing. Confirmation is that anchor that keeps me from drifting with the waves of second guessing. I'm solidified. I know that God called me to this ministry. I'm doing this. I'm solidified. I know that Tanisha's my wife. I'm doing this. So it don't matter how, how hard it gets, how difficult things get. I know that we have been given authority in the spirit in this area. Confirmation. Somebody drop the comment confirmation. Confirmation. There is nothing more anxiety spawning and nothing more uncertainty triggering than for you to make moves without confirmation. Now I understand why the word of God tells us in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 always acknowledge me. Acknowledge me in all of my ways. Acknowledge me. And the reason some of us keep experiencing pain is because we keep doing second things first. So good, y'all. We keep doing second things first. He says, in all thy ways, first, you need to acknowledge me. It might look like a great opportunity, still acknowledge me. It might look like a bad opportunity, still acknowledge me. You might think this is your husband, still acknowledge me. You may not think this is your husband, still acknowledge me. You don't know if you should go this route, first acknowledge me. You might think you should go this route, first acknowledge me. And all thy getting, get understanding, and first acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Discernment is for those who have spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity comes from devotion. See, right now, if y'all were here in the sanctuary and you were to wave a lollipop to my son, my four-year-old son, he would probably take it. 
<laughs> Here, probably take it. Why? Because he chooses things that he wants more than what daddy said. He's at a place in his life where I want to do what I want to do, and I'll take it and override what daddy said. Now, my daughter, if you try to offer her a lollipop, she's going to tell you, I don't take candy from strangers. So I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, why are you still taking candy from strange spirits? Why, why are you still taking what they offered you? And have you, not, have you not understood that just because it's offered doesn't mean it's what you're valued? Why are you still taking candy from strange spirits? Discernment. Discernment. See, listen, common discernment is when you can see through a thing. Spiritual discernment is when you can see beyond a thing. This is so good, y'all. Common discernment is when you can see through a thing. You can see they lying. Y'all ever talk to somebody, you know they lying? <laughs> you don't have to be saved to do that. You know they lying. But spiritual discernment is when you see beyond the thing. Oh, this is the enemy who sent you. Oh, oh this is the enemy who's trying this. Oh, oh, this is trying to distract me from the work I'm doing. Oh, oh, this is trying to distract me from the plow. And I pray to God that we have a place, we have spiritual leaders, a community, or a pastor who has spiritual discernment where we can see just because somebody's going, ah, 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 that doesn't mean they're a sheep, they're really a wolf. And spiritual leaders have to be able to see fangs in the midst of people seeing a sheep. I recognize that this is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I got to have spiritual discernment. <laughs> it's so good. The lack of spiritual discernment shows us that we're still a baby because toddlers will always choose candy over callings. Y'all need to come get me, like for real. Toddlers will always choose candy over callings. And I'm trying to get us in a place where we trust God so much when I'm not attracted to candy. I prefer my calling. I prefer my calling. Attraction is married to appetite. Please hear me. Attraction is married to appetite. And our appetite is the GPS of our pursuits. Whatever we crave is what we'll pursue. You don't end up at the place you desire. You end up at the place you crave. You end up at the place you crave. And this is why I'm doing this message because I want the spirit to convict and to challenge the things and to also teach us maybe I need to relearn and unlearn what I used to be attracted to because my attraction is tied to my appetite. And my appetite is the pursuit of my cravings. And some of us, it's not always due to what's before you. It's due to what's around you because you don't have to be grilling at the barbecue to smell like barbecue. You just got to be in the atmosphere. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. You may have gone to a barbecue and didn't get one piece of chicken, but you smell like the smoke. And a lot of us are wondering why my appetite is the way it is. It's because I am carrying the secondhand smoke of my circle. I'm carrying the secondhand smoke of an ex. I'm carrying the secondhand smoke of depression. I'm carrying the secondhand smoke of doubt. I'm carrying the secondhand smoke of a dream killer. I'm carrying the secondhand smoke of worry. Or in Solomon's case, I'm carrying the secondhand smoke of my bloodline. His father had a lust issue. And what we see right here, I want to show you this. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4. It says, for when Solomon was old, 
His wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Eshterah, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, did. I want to pause right there to show you the power of forgiveness. He said, did not follow the Lord wholly as David did. But you and I know about David's Bathsheba. But God doesn't hold that against him. Even though there was a consequence due to the decision that he made, God forgave him. I want us to be in a place where we make decisions and have our attraction at such a level where we're not living a life where the sword will never leave your house so you'll never dance again after Bathsheba. The Lord, then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, for Melech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all, look at this, his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. I wonder how many of us are sacrificing because we're with foreign things to our destiny. I wonder how many of us have our hearts turned down towards the gospel because of strange people in our life who have turned our hearts for other gods. And the question I'm going to keep on recycling throughout this message is can you identify when something is fatal? And how do you know when something is fatal? It's when it keeps taking you away from what God has talked you into keeps taking you away and I want you to ask, 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 answer this question what has and who has the remote of your attraction <laughs> see if, if we keep feeding our flesh if we keep feeding our flesh Netflix and we keep feeding our flesh Hulu and we keep feeding our flesh 90's R&B then we're going to be attracted to the projections of Netflix we're going to be attracted to the projections of Hulu and we're going to be attracted to what we heard in 90's R&B I want to know who has the remote see listen whoever has the remote to our life controls the volume so if the enemy has a remote to our life we can't hear the Lord speak because he has a remote. He's going to make everything loud. Everything loud in your life. The enemy's going to constantly keep playing over and over the volume. You can't hear when God's talking. You can't hear when the Spirit's calling. You can't hear it. Why? Because the enemy has a remote to your life. And so he keeps your volume so loud so that when God speaks, you can't hear. And you're so distracted by everything else, by what culture's saying, by what society is saying, by what people are saying. But what God wants to do is hand me the remote of your attraction. Hand me the, the remote of your appetite where I could turn it down and I could adjust it so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because all you hear is your depression talking. All you hear is the playlist of your doubts. All you hear is the playlist of your concerns. Let me have the remote. And maybe... For you to give the remote to God, what you're going to have to do is deactivate, unfollow, and block. Some of us need to unfollow people in real life. That's a whole word. That part, though. So three points. How do we get to this place to where I identify what is fatal? Point number one, unlearn attraction. Unlearn what they told you. 
unlearn what 90s R&B told you. Please unlearn what love and hip-hop told you. Please unlearn what you saw mama and daddy do. Unlearn what you didn't see mama and daddy do. I just firmly believe that dreams could live again. I believe that broken hearts could love again. Minds that are filled with anxiety, I feel that they can have peace again. Endings are married to beginnings. What is it that God is saying, I have to form a demolition project in your life because I have to get you unlearned that? Number one, unlearn attraction. Number two, attraction should be formulated by fruit. I wish I had y'all in the sanctuary because I would have everybody say it. Attraction should be formulated by fruit. Never get in a place where you live in fear so much to where you embrace familiar misery rather than seek out foreign joy. Get to a place where I have to understand attraction is based on fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, it says, But the fruit, can I get you to just start dropping like fruit emojis? Fruit, fruit. I go off fruit. Not potential. I go off fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what you're attracted to. Now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. I, I don't just allow myself to be attracted because they're attractive. I first allow myself to see, is there any fruit? Because if there's no fruit, it could be venomous. Attraction should be formulated by fruit. I need you to inspect for fruit like how you look for the remote. Y'all ever notice when you can't find the remote, everybody's a suspect? Have you seen the remote? No. Are you sitting on it? No. Stand up. I need you to stand up. I, can't, I don't know what a remote is. I need you to inspect fruit like that. Don't just believe what they say. I need you to be a fruit inspector. I need to see, is there some self-control here? Is there some gentleness here? Is there some kindness here? Is there some love? Don't go off just because they're attractive. I'm looking for fruit. Fruit. Number three, flesh-based bonds are venomous. A flesh based bond is venomous this means this is a companionship this is a relationship that is venomous because it's all about flesh for my new converts watching this we're going to give you more bible galatians chapter 5 verse 19 it says now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Look at this, y'all. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. So just from this passage of scripture, I need to look at my friends I need to look at my circle. Sometimes I need to look at my family. And I need to see, do we only have chemistry because of the flesh? The only thing we have in common is flesh. Some of us, your bae, your boo, the only thing you have in common is flesh. No kindness, no goodness, no fruit of the spirit. And what I wanted you to see on the night is maybe a fatal attraction is not a crazy person who can't get over you. But a fatal attraction is when we are attracted to that which is fatal.
And how do you know when something is fatal? It's when it has turned your heart against your God. So, Father, we pray, help us to be able to detox and unlearn everything we learn from culture, everything we learn from society, everything we learn from childhood. This is why, God, we must be born again. We thank you, God, for the blood because the blood still works and it gives us a clean slate. And we want to be believers who are attracted to fruit, not believers who are attracted to flesh. We pray that you purge us and detox us and allow us to embrace the withdrawals. And just because it's hard, don't let us throw in the towel. Because you're the type of God where if we throw in the towel, you're going to throw it right back. We love you and we honor you. Deal with our appetite. Deal with our cravings. So we won't be like Solomon and hold fast to these in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.